I don't know if this tragedy has ever happened to you, but it doesn't happen to me many times, but it has happened before. And I'm not sure if you can identify with it or not, but I can remember going into a restaurant one time. And I'm going into the restaurant, and I'm getting like, man, some smoked barbecue chicken, beans, fries, coleslaw, garlic bread. Anybody, does that sound good so far? Did I mention it's all you can eat? It's not Sonny's because they're not here anymore. But, uh, but man, I can remember going into a restaurant and getting all of that, man. Maybe there might even be some ribs with it and everything. And, oh, my goodness, the, the girl, like, I'm already ready to order and everything. She says, well, what do you want to drink? And I said, man, I'd love some tea. I want some iced tea. How many of you like iced tea, right? So I'm just assuming that, you know, iced tea is iced tea. There's only one way to make iced tea, right? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? All right, all right. So anyways, I, I, man, she brings me my drink, and I'm sitting there, and I go to take a drink, and it was the most horrible taste I have ever had in my mouth. Anybody know what it was? Jeff, do you know what it was missing? What was it missing? Yeah, you're from Alabama, you know, man. Y'all talk like y'all got this stuff coming out of your veins, right? But it was sweet. It was not sweet tea. Oh, my goodness, it was unsweet tea. Can you guys imagine somebody having the audacity to give you some iced tea with no sugar in it? Some of y'all are like, well, that's the way we were raised up north. I am just talking about it was here. It was like, oh, the tea. This was horrible. So I said, ma'am, I think you made a mistake. I, I think you need to, you know, you gave me some unsweet tea. And she says, sir, I'm sorry, but that's all we have. <laughs> she said, I can bring, have you ever had this happen? She said, I can bring you a couple packets of sugar if you would like. <laughs> a couple of packets, like that's going to dissolve in there. First, I need to give them a tea making lesson, how to make a simple, you know, you, you boil the sugar and water together and you use that to kind of sweeten your tea. Y'all know that, right? But, but she wanted me to use a couple of packets and I said, no, 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 that, that won't be. Oh, well, how about some substitute sugar instead of sugar? How about some Splenda? Or I don't even know what they are. I know the whole, How many different sugar packets are there on the table that aren't sugar, right? Splenda and, oh, this is equal. And if you, do, if you put that junk in your body, man, please don't take this personal, all right? This illustration God gave me this morning, all right? But anyways, I'm just sitting there thinking. It's like, oh, there, wait a minute. Tea is not tea without sugar in it. <laughs> and, and it's like now you not only took the sugar out, but now you're trying to give me some sort of substitute for sugar. How can you beat sugar, y'all? I mean, literally, how can you beat sugar? And, and, but they got to get rid of the sugar, put the substitute sugar in. And man, as I was studying this message, I've been preparing this message for weeks. I was going to preach it last week and couldn't get to it. God has something else. And praise God, I've heard a lot of good reports on how you've applied that. But this week, man, that's how God brought to, to me with this sugar that, that God is like a world. When you got God in your world, it's like having the most wonderful glass of sweet tea. Is it not? It's all, you just, oh, it's refreshing. There's nothing better. And if you're from somewhere else and you have no clue what I'm talking about, it's like, I'm a, we're going to have intervention for y'all. We'll pray for you. I I'm, I'm, it'll come in later in this. But man, nothing like just quenching your thirst with some sweet tea. It's there. But the world has tried to take God out, hasn't they? haven't they? That's what we're going to see. The world has tried to take God out. They took the sugar out of my tea, and they've tried to take God out of our lives. And you know what? Without God in your world, it ain't very sweet, is it? 
And you're going to see that in Scripture today. It's not a sweet world when you take God out. But the reason Satan has taken the sugar out of tea and God out of the world, the reason he did <laughs> is so that he can put a substitute in. And the substitute, you know, I'll never forget back in the day, as I'm a little kid, man, uh, I grew up in the 60s and, and early 70s, man. I grew up in Orlando where the space station, I mean, you know, the, the Apollo launches, all the, we, we were eating astronaut food. How many of y'all grew up eating astronaut food, drinking Tang? Remember that stuff? <laughs> and, and then we had these little sticks of plastic that you unwrapped that supposedly astronauts ate when they went into space. This is where they introduced us to plastic food, y'all. That's why we got cancer. But anyways, man, <laughs> in all that, I remember my mom. You know, she was a little conscious about putting on some weight. You know, now I know. You just get thicker as you get older, amen? And if you don't, man, y'all got worms. I'm just saying, no, but, but <laughs> you got tapeworm. Man. You're supposed to get thick when you get older, man. It'd be weird if your kids thought you were hot, would it not? <laughs> but anyways, but I, I, I remember my mom getting a little conscious about her weight and stuff. And they introduced something back then called saccharin. Anybody heard of saccharin? Yeah, I don't even know if it's around anymore. Only to grow tumors in lab rats, I think is what they got it for now. But anyways, she was like, oh, man, we got to get rid. I'm getting rid of sugar in my diet. And I'm going to do saccharin in her coffee. I remember putting them little dot because I'm watching her and I remember I'm trying to eat them. And I ate one. Anybody ever eat a little saccharin dot? They're horrible. <laughs> and and I, didn't, I didn't, she didn't have to hide that from me anymore. But she put that in her coffee all to kind of try to lose some weight and not, you know, get the sugar out of her diet. And then later, what do we find out? We find out that it grows big tumors in lab rats. Sugar don't do that, man. And so again, the world is, without God is like tea without sugar. They take it out and it's not sweet, but then they give you substitutes to try to make the world sweet. And they have to redefine what sweet is. And when you read the Word of God, you see it ain't sweet at all. Amen? I ain't talking about the tea no more. I'm talking about a world without God. Amen? Yeah. So the world needs, how many y'all could, how many think the world needs a little God? <laughs> it needs a little sweetness, man, for sure. And so, again, the way the world gets sweet is by adding God to it. And that's the only reason we are left behind is to share the gospel with folks. Revival through Romans. We're continuing the book of Romans. And in order to handle the last little section in context, we've got to go back to something we preached on about a month ago that I'll try to pass through to get through the last half, but you've got to have it in context to make it make sense. And that's what we're going to do. And so, man, this world so badly needs God, and our only purpose for being here. Everybody's like, oh, what's my purpose? What's my purpose in life? Anybody hear people ask that? My purpose, your purpose. Your purpose as a believer is to walk where God wants you to walk in the occupation he's got you to walk in, spirit-filled and living for him so that in your circle of influence, people see who Christ is. Now, again, how many of y'all are like, how many of y'all were like, didn't I get my illustration? How many of y'all were like, dude, I hate sweet tea. I'd rather suck on a, a sock soaked in a rag. Yeah, there you go, Gavin. I'm praying for you, brother. <laughs> You've been deprived. Your whole, you're just brought, I see you and your mom raised your hand. That's where it all started right there. I'm, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, but again, man, so, so I, I forgot even where I was going with that. But, <laughs> but anyways, man, so, 
So the, our only purpose is so that if someone like Gavin ever says, you know what, I am so tired of, of, of drinking aspartame uh, diet Coke, <laughs> trying to lose weight, and it's giving me tremors. <laughs> if I'm, once they get world gets tired of the substitutes and they really want some sweet tea, can they come to you and find it? Can they come to you and find it? And I'm talking about God. When somebody really gets tired of all the world substitutes and they say, I need some real true love, some real true sweetness in my life, and you seem to have it, man, that's who we're supposed to be. That's our only purpose. And that's why he's got us in all kinds of occupations, all kinds of neighborhoods, all kinds of states, all kinds of socioeconomic conditions. He's got all of us everywhere where he needs us so that when the world gets sick of drinking unsweet tea or tea with substitute sugar in it, diet tea. <laughs> Is there even such a thing as diet tea? Uh, uh, but man, when they want some real sweet tea, dude, they know they can come to your trailer and knock on the door and get it. I'm saying <laughs> they can come to your house. Y'all didn't get that and think that was funny, did you? No, but all right. Our only purpose for being here is to give them the good news that they can have him. So you know what? They come knocking on my door and they want some sweet tea, buddy. I can give it to them. I can show, I can give it to them if they want it. Now, hey, uh, am I supposed to go all around Michigan? What are y'all doing here, man? Dude, you were abducted by aliens? That knew something about y'all, man. And uh, uh, is it our purpose to fill up a pump bottle and start spraying them with sweet tea? No, dude. We're drinking sweet tea. We're, 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 we're living the life of drinking sweet tea. And they're like, I want some of that. We're not supposed to just take a, a fire hose and spray them all down with that. That's not the purpose of it. But when they want some tea, man, they know where they can get it from in all of that. And that's our purpose. But if they want him, but they should see it in us. So again, here, if you want to share the gospel with somebody, here's three things you need to do. This is not the, the, I got a lot to preach on, but this is a little land yap, a little extra here. If you want to share the gospel, you feel, I don't know how to share the gospel. Yeah, you do. If you've accepted the gospel, if you've accepted Christ, you know. You know enough. Don't let the devil scare you off thinking you don't know what, have what it takes to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look, salvation is needed. Why is salvation needed, y'all? Because in our life, we have what? Sin. Right, salvation's needed. Everyone's a sinner. The wage of the sin is death, eternal separation from God, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So again, salvation's needed. If somebody realizes, dude, my life is not sweet, my life's messed up, I want what you got. It's like, well, you know what? You need salvation because you're a sinner. And God demanded perfection. He made us. He can demand perfection, can he? He made us. Now, it would be a horrible thing if he demanded perfection and we couldn't achieve it and he gave us no options to be able to have perfection. But what he did is he, he shows us that I, I, you have sinned and I demanded perfection, so there's a penalty for that sin, and that penalty is eternal separation from me. But the next part is salvation has been provided. Who provided salvation for us, y'all? Jesus Christ, right. So it would be a horrible thing to demand perfection but not uh, give you any way to achieve it. So Christ came, lived a perfect life on this planet, never once sinned, and he went to the cross to pay for your sins and my sins, past, present, and future. 
And while he was on the cross from noon to three, when it was dark and he finally cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, God, why have you forsaken me? It was during that time he took the punishment for your sin. He not only, he not only paid for it through a perfect life and being the sacrifice, he took the spanking you were fixing to get. Did you ever get a spanking, Terry? Yeah, a few of them. Wouldn't it have been good for Jesus to take those? No, I'm just saying. When you do something wrong, there's some kind of punishment. There's correction. There's discipline. In the penal system that we have, literally, there's punishment for when you do something wrong. It wouldn't be fair if there was not punishment. It wouldn't be just if there wasn't. If people could do whatever they want. Let me ask you a question. What's the speed limit on Indian River Drive this morning? Oh, not this morning. There were only two cop cars with nobody in them. Ha! What's the speed limit on Indian River Drive? Whatever you want to do. And, dude, you know what I found out that is so awesome? If somebody passes me and they're flying, if I stay within 200 yards of them, then the, I, I, they're my cop alert, dude. I, no, no, I still, I, I still was doing 30, but I was watching people blow me. What's the speed limit? It's whatever's enforced in all of that. So, so again, God has to enforce a penalty. So salvation is needed because we blew perfection. Salvation has been provided because Christ came and became our perfection, as we're going to learn more in Romans. He came and paid the penalty. He took your spanking. Can you imagine getting a spanking for every one of your sins, Laura? Just this week, Laura Kerner, just this week, if he took a... Man, aren't you glad he didn't have a giant fly swatter and he's whacking you for every one of your sins this week? Yeah, but every one of those giant fly swatter whacks Christ took for you on the cross. Salvation's needed because we're sinners. It's been provided through what Christ did on the cross, but you got to accept it. You got to accept it. I can, I can walk around and, and, and I can say, Abby, I want you to have this chair. This is a great chair. Take it to Wisconsin with you. It'll work in Wisconsin. You can sit on this chair. You can even sit on it, put water skis, and John Kowalski can usher you around the lake. Marley can do handstands and airs on it. This is a great chair. Abby, please take the chair. What would you have to do for the chair to be yours? Just take it. Right. It just take it. I could beat you over the head with the chair. And, but, but if you didn't take it, it's still not yours. What if I said, Abby, this is a really awesome chair. And you know what I need you to do to have it? It's going to be, it's, it's not free, but it's a good deal. All you have to do is clean out the cheese from under my big toenail. That's it. And the, to, and the chair is yours. All yours. It's a good deal on a chair. If you need a chair, it's a good deal. But would it be free now? No. A gift is here, Abby. Here's a chair. You take it. That's what salvation is. Salvation has, uh, you need it. It's, it's needed. It has been provided and someone must accept it. And you can't beat somebody over the head. If they accept it, it's because at that point in time, the Holy Spirit of God is working in their life, giving them the desire and ability to. So you're not a lawyer trying to convince somebody of an argument. That's not what you are as a believer. You're not a lawyer. You're a what? What's the word? A witness. What does a witness do? There's no pressure on a witness if you don't let the lawyer pressure you. The, the pre, all you do as a witness is tell people what you know for fact. Dude, you need this chair, Abby. I got one of these just like, you know what, Abby, I got a bunch of them, and people sit on them every week at church, all sizes, all shapes, and they don't break. The wooden ones, y'all good luck with those. But <laughs> this is a great chair, Abby. Oh, man, I have been using this chair for nine years now. It's awesome. Ralph, can you testify this is a good chair? 
Oh my goodness, how about you testify it's a good chair? Look, Abby, take the chair, it's a good chair. I'm a witness and I'm offering something to somebody that I know that works. Salvation is needed, it's been provided, it must be accepted. And however you do that with Scripture, just remember those three things. And that's how you can share to the world they need this good news. But let's get back to Romans on why they need it. What has happened to the world? And that's if you don't know what's happened to the world and why it's going to keep going down, you won't realize how important it is that you are an integral part of putting sugar back in the tea. How many of y'all want to put sugar back in the tea? Man, a, okay, how many of y'all put God back in the world? All right, <laughs> that's it. So check this out. Paul, we're going back to verse 16. We've already, if you were here before, you're like, wait a minute, didn't you preach this? Already? Yeah, I'm going to try to preach it a lot less today. And, 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 and we're going to get through two messages that I preached already to get to the third one that's the new one. But I'm going to go really quick, Terry. I see the look on his face right now. Uh, so Paul, when they came to Paul, Paul was trying to get to Rome, and he wanted to preach the gospel to them in Rome, but they were like, you know, they're like, Paul, you're a chicken. You're scared to go. How many of y'all remember? Y'all remember that message, right? You're scared to come to Rome. You know what? You're some from some from some podunk little Jerusalem, and 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 you're, you might be important as a Jew, but you certainly aren't important in our Roman culture. In fact, you're one of the littlest countries we've conquered, and you guys are worshiping some carpenter that got crucified. That's the worst penalty of the earth. There was no prestige in Christianity, no prestige in Paul. Uh, man, in, in, in Rome, they had power. It, through the Greek culture, they had philosophy. Man, get this Christian stuff out of here. We don't want to hear this. This is junk. This is some little fable about a Jewish carpenter that got crucified and, and now you're trying to tell us he rose from the dead, man. What, what, what can be so important, man? We have great philosophies. We have great power available to us. Paul, you should be ashamed to preach this. Paul said, ashamed? Not a chance. Not a chance I'm ashamed of this. In fact, let me ask you a question. In our world that we live in, do, how does the world look at Christianity? With their high flutin' philosophies and, and their, their, their no-fail schemes and plans to succeed and all of this. It's not until they reach failure, until they realize something's missing in their tea, that they realize they need the sugar. So man, Paul said, I ain't ashamed. He said, dude, I preach this in Corinth, I preach this everywhere, and it has changed lives. It'll certainly work in Rome. And here's a thought we had back then. If the living, the people living right now, knew what the dead know oh dude if the living knew what the dead know for sure the whole world would follow jesus christ y'all agree with that because when you die there's two abodes the script scripture teaches us there's heaven and there's hell and god has made every way for us to be able to get to heaven and it's only by willful rejection of him and his love that you, you have spurned every offer he's ever given you and you finally die. And it's like, I didn't do this to you. You did it. You were already condemned because you blew perfection. I made every way for you to achieve it. And you blew. I, I, you can't put this on me, God says. I've given you every opportunity. So if the, whole, if, if, if the living knew what the dead know right now, everybody would follow Jesus in this. So Paul goes on and he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Dude, I'm not ashamed. 
I'm not hiding. Man, I'm not, I'm not scared to tell you because, man, right now, if, if Sue, you were on fire right now, and you had hair flaming, and uh, would, would any of you hesitate to go grab that bucket of water and throw it on Sue? Did you know Sue very well? You think you know her well enough to throw water on her head? Yeah, do you think you know her that well? I mean, well, yeah. but it wouldn't matter because the situation is that serious. But we don't look at things soul conscious like that as much as we do physical conscious. We'd have no problem. You would be a hero if you took the fire. Dude, how many of y'all would love to take a fire extinguisher right now and just spray Sue down? How many of you inside have that little sixth grade boy? Yeah, that would just like, oh, dude, that would be so cool. Yeah. Coffee, get that coffee stain out, no doubt. <laughs> and so, so, so again, we have no problem if she's physically on fire, but you understand, one, the minute somebody leaves this planet physically without Christ, they go to hell forever. One of the hardest things as a pastor I hate is when I've shared the gospel and shared the gospel out of love and shared the gospel and someone is on their deathbed and has rejected it over and over again. And in that room, there'll be family members who are believers and that person is suffering and they're suffering and they've rejected the gospel and they die. You know, it's one of the first things I hear out of the loving family's mouth often. Oh, at least they're not suffering anymore. Oh God, that breaks my heart. I don't have the heart to tell them and it's not the appropriate time to tell them. But that person just died without Christ and they are suffering worse now than they ever have suffered in their entire life. And they're going to suffer that way for eternity because they spurned the love that God gave them to not have to do that. They rejected it and blew it off. So Paul says, heck no, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to spray Sabrina with a fire extinguisher if her head's on fire, you know, and mess her hair up, you know. I'm not, no, I'm not ashamed because I know how necessary this is. Look what he says. It is the power of God. That word power is the word dunamis. It's the word, it's the Greek word dunamis, and it's the word we get dynamite from. Y'all understand if you got the gospel, man, y'all got a stick of dynamite, right? A stick of dynamite. How many of y'all ever had a stick of dynamite? How many of y'all don't want anybody to know you've ever had a stick of dynamite? <laughs> a stick of dynamite, dude. Steve, a stick of dynamite. You can carry that stick of dynamite around in your pocket. You got to worry about your pants blowing up. No, dude, you can run in the pants. Your pants ain't going to blow up. You, you, you put it in your hat and worry about, worry about your head blowing up. You put it in your car and not worry about your car blowing up. When do you have to worry? What has to happen for it to blow up, Terry? You've got to have ignition. You've got to light it. You've got the gospel. You've got spiritual dynamite inside of you. But we're like, oh, I don't want it to blow up. I don't want anybody to know. Yeah. No, and again, I'm not saying you are, but there's times and situations where we feel that way. When we should feel just the opposite, not that we're trying to blow people up. Please don't, on, on World Wide Web, we're not trying to blow people up. Please don't send any kind of ATF people to see me. I don't really want to hear it talk to them right now. But that's not what we're saying. I'm saying you can blow their world up. How many of y'all got your world blown up with the gospel? Dude, it got blown up and it's like, woohoo! <laughs> yeah. It's sugar in the tea, bro, but you got to light it, man. You got to light the dynamite for it to, to experience that power. And the way the dynamite is lit is by you opening your mouth and offering it to somebody. What are the three points again? Salvation is 
This is where you speak. Salvation is needed. It's been, and it must be right. It, all right, so all three of you have helped everybody else out. Salvation is needed, has been provided. It must be accepted. Light the fuse, y'all. You find somebody that's kind of him hawing around like, Dude, I ain't got no sugar in my tea, man. I've been drinking that aspartame stuff and saccharin, and I got tumors all in my body from drinking all the artificial junk the world's given me. I need the real deal. Here's Jesus Christ. Y'all believe he's a real deal? Dude, he has been in my life since 1988, man. Wouldn't trade it for the world. And again, I can't force anybody, but when somebody's tired of drinking the junk the world's given them, because the world's taking Christ out, and offered all these substitutes we're going to see. Offer them the real thing, and it ain't Coke. <laughs> the real thing. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the dynamite of God. So again, is it, oh, uh, so I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of Paul to have the eloquence and knowledge of how to present it properly. Is that it? No, dude, just light the fuse. Let God do what he wants. <laughs> you light the fuse, let God do what he wants, man. I have so flubbed up a gospel presentation and didn't even know I was given one sometimes and watch people say, I just, man, when I gave my life to Christ, I'm just like, where do, I was so ready. I said, where do I, where do I just pray? I knelt down on a hassock in my dad's house that I had done so many sinful things on and knelt down and gave my life to Christ, dude. He lit my fuse that day. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation. There's no, more, there's no other power that can make you spiritually saved or saved from the wrath of God. It's the power of salvation to who? To everyone who believes. And that word believe is not believe in your head. It, believe, it means believe like you're sitting in that chair right now. Gary, did you check that chair out before you sat down? You did not. You didn't. That one could have had a screw loose, man. All right. Could have had, could have been faulty, but you just trusted in it. You believed in the chair. How many of y'all believed in your chair when you sat down? Right? You believed. You just sat down. And you're like, well, all right. That's what it means to believe in Christ. Put all your faith and trust. Put your full weight in them. Just say, dude, I don't know how it's going to work out. I'm just doing it here. And he will not let you down. And I got people that would testify to that. Man, I'm not ashamed of it. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And he says to the Jew first, then to the Greek, and then to the barbarians, which is anybody who wasn't Greek. But it started to the Jews because they, they brought us Christ first. But they need the gospel just like everyone else. But everyone needs it. He said, in it is the righteousness of God. So that's not talking about God being righteous and looking down at you, Selma, and saying, you are unrighteous, and, and comparing you to his righteousness. You know what it is? Terry, I want you to pretend you are righteousness, right? You are God's righteousness, all right? And what I want you to do, this is God's right. You know what God's righteousness is? He basically encompasses you with his righteousness. He puts all his righteousness all over you. Put your righteousness on, oh, not the armpit righteousness, but, no, but <laughs> that, that's it. You understand? This is what this means. It means that when you give your life to him, his righteousness is yours. When he looks at you, he sees Christ, even though you know you're a scumbag. How many of y'all know you're a scumbag? All right? Even though his righteousness is on you, and can anybody take it off? Can you take it off? Nobody can take it off. It's on you, and it's on eternally. 
And so now he's trying to change you from the inside out so that your inter, your motivations, your, your wants, your desires match your outside righteousness that he sees. Not the outside righteousness of the world because you still do messed up things, right? But he sees you as righteous. Isn't that good? Because how many of y'all have a lot of wrongness? <laughs> and you need your wrongness covered by righteousness. And that's what he does. That's what it says. God puts his, how righteous is God? There's no one more. He's always right. He puts that always right on you. And we'll learn more about that in there. Uh, <coughs> and he said, so it's the righteousness of God that is revealed from faith to faith. So it's on you and it's revealed. How many of y'all ever seen somebody start following the Lord and do things you would have never expected them to do? You saw him do good things. You saw him do things. You, you like, do what? <laughs> That's nuts. Wait a minute. Why are you doing that when you used to do that? How come, you're like, how come you're like this when you used to be like that? Anybody ever see that happen? Did you see it when you looked in the mirror? Yeah. That's where we just see it first. Man, you know what? That's the righteousness of God. We have it, and you have the capability now to do the right thing and have the right motivation. He puts that in you, and he puts it on you. And he gives you opportunities to experience that from faith to faith. It says, as it is written, look at this, written three times in the New Testament, and it's a quote from the Old Testament, the righteous, the people have God's righteousness on them. They can't live by sight and what they see from the world anymore. They live by faith. You know what faith is? Faith is what we don't see. Faith is what God tells us. Right, MJ? Faith is when God says, you're good, but you're like looking at it saying, oh, you ain't really see me. Yeah, God says, I know, but you're, you're good. Do, by faith, do the right thing. By faith, man, do what I'm asking you to do. In spite of all the circumstances and evidences and feelings and thoughts and desires to do the wrong thing. By faith, do the right thing. And God says, I'll make that possible for you. The righteous shall live by faith. So that's what God's given us. So why don't those, if I told you before, if the living knew what the dead know, everyone would follow Christ. So why don't those who don't follow Christ know? Why don't they know what we know? And the answer is, what he's going to get ready to tell us is they don't want to know. They do know, but they choose not to know as a futile escape, uh, attempt to escape God's accountability and justice. They don't want, they think, well, if I don't know, then I can't be judged by God. I'm not going to be judged by God. I'm not going to be judged by God. I'm not going to be, if you convince yourself, you're not going to face God in the end. Just because you convince yourself, does that mean you're not going to face God at the end? No, the truth is the truth is the truth, no matter what lie you believe. And so if, if you can convince yourself, I'm not going to give an answer to God for every moment of every day, then you don't worry about it, right? But you are, because that's the truth. You are going to be accountable to Almighty God who made you. And you're going to see He has revealed Himself to you. Praise God for those of you that have accepted that. And you've accepted that accountability and that judgment. And you have a relationship with Him because you're experiencing His love. But man, the world often will choose not to know. It's like Charlie Brown's teacher again. La, 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 la. I don't want it. I don't want to hear it. If I don't hear it, it's not true. No, it's still true. You just don't know it and you're walking in ignorance and that's what we're going to see in love. So you can't escape God's accountability or God's judgment. You're going to face your maker at the end. Listen to this real quick. God's escapable wrath, he's got wrath. His punish, it's his punishment for doing what's wrong. 
So if you could imagine a big bowl, God has this big bowl, and every time you do something wrong, it fills up with, a, with wrath. It fills up with wrath, fills up with wrath, fills up with wrath. You know what happened when you gave your life to Christ? What did He do with that whole giant bowl of wrath? He dumped it on Christ. How many of y'all, hey Stephen, would you like to have a whole bowl of your eternal wrath dumped on you? All your past, how about just your past sins? How about just the ones from today? No, dude, I don't even want that dumped on me, man. It's like acid, right? And then little on my future ones, he took all of that and he dumped all that wrath. He dumped all of, my, all of that wrath collected for my sins on Christ. Is that not cool? But for those who reject and say, hey, I'm going to just take my chances. Yeah, I'm going to talk. You know what? I'm a good talk. I'll talk my way out. I'm going to work a deal with God. I got my own deal. You know what? You're collecting wrath because so often you're asking like, how can people do such horrible things and get away with it? Uh, they seem to have everything good going for them. Whatever. They're collecting wrath. But at some point, unless they accept Christ and have it dumped on Him, it's going to be dumped on them for eternity. And that's not God's, what God wants. He, designed, he, he, he created hell for the devil and his demons, not us. So God's inescapable wrath is the punishment for doing wrong. There is going to be a punishment for doing wrong right now, short term, like we talked about last week, long term, and eternal term. Look at this. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Again, we see it when people do wrong things. We know you reap what you sow. We know that it's going to come back on you. We know there's bad consequences when you do wrong things. So the wrath of God's revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, even right now, and unrighteousness of people right now. There's a horrible, horrible thing in society when society no longer sees wrong as wrong, but when society now accepts wrong as right. Man, you got chaos. You got anarchy. But there's still people in the world that when they see wrong, it's like, oh, justice has to be done. This is wrong. We need justice. And, and so in this, that's what he says. It's, it, it, people see it. There's going to be consequences for disobeying God now, but nothing like the consequences in eternity. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men, who and women, by the way, so women, don't you're not out of that, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Why would somebody want to suppress the truth? Why, why would you, why would when the truth's being said, you're not listening, you're trying to find a rebuttal? Why would, when the truth happens, you're going to do just the opposite? Why would somebody suppress the truth? Because as you suppress the truth in your own life, you can create your own value system. And you don't have to, in fact, even believers sometimes will suppress the truth and form a callous in their heart so the Holy Spirit can't even get through sometimes. They don't want to hear. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You're suppressing the truth by your unrighteousness. The worst thing about sin is it becomes your lifestyle. We talked about that last week. We don't want the sin suppressed. We want it revealed. Holy Spirit, show me what I need to do to be more like you because I, there's value in being more like you. It's a better life being more like you. In heaven, we're going to be just like him. Why would you want to suppress the truth now? So if you can suppress the truth, you aren't accountable to it. You think. That's why the world itself does suppress the truth. Because I'm not accountable to... That's the whole reason of evolution. You don't even hear about that too much anymore. People kind of give up on the idea of, oh man, species is getting better and better and better. Who believes that junk anymore? <laughs> they ain't watched the news lately, right? <laughs> 
So he says, man, wrath of God. There is wrath from a loving God. If he loves righteousness, he has to hate unrighteousness. That's just the way it is. You can't love both. It's, it's not there. And by the way, let me make this point. You know what's the only thing? Abby, what's the only thing God hates? I'll give you a hint. It begins with S. It ends with N and has an I in the middle. What's the only thing God hates, y'all? Sin. That's it. Isn't it good that he doesn't hate you? <laughs> he hates sin because of what it causes. Man, have you ever seen... We'll leave Marley out of this, but... <laughs> Have you ever seen Maverick just running to some dangerous situation? Oh, I saw your eyes light up. You, you see that regularly? And what do you do as mom slash God? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, what do you do when you see Mar- Maverick running to something dangerous? Yeah, yeah, you try to grab him. You try to stop him because you know the consequence. And if you can't, aren't fast enough, you send Marley after him, right? That's the Holy Spirit, dude. <laughs> but... But yeah, why? Why? You don't want to see him suffer the consequences? Really? You don't think he maybe will learn from that? No. No. Because you love him. Have you all ever had a kid? Julia, when your kids were little, I don't know, grocery store? Did you ever have, you ever have kids running? You're telling them, hey, don't run in the parking lot. This is a parking lot. Now, any of y'all parents ever said, this is a parking lot. Don't be running in the... Oh, April, all right. This, this is a parking lot. Don't run. You're going to get hit by a car. And you tell them that how many times? A lot. So you know what? Here you are. They're running in the parking lot, running in the parking lot, running in the parking lot. Don't run in the parking lot. You ever get sick of saying it? Bam! One of them gets nailed by a car. And I don't have the gift of prophecy, and I cover that with the blood of Jesus. But bam! One of them gets nailed by a car. And they're laying there flat out, all bloody and smashed by the car they just got nailed by. Julia, do you walk up to him and say, I told you that was going to happen please say no. That's not what you're going to do. I told you that's what's going to happen. Now you just lay there and you figure it out on your own. You let me know when you're ready to obey and you're ready to do the right thing. I'm done. You didn't believe me? Huh? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it hurts, doesn't it? You know, but isn't that our view of God a lot of times? Dude, he's told us don't run in the parking lot. Don't run in the parking lot. Don't do this. Don't do that. No, no, no. And it's not to be a killjoy. It's so that we don't get killed and lose our joy. <laughs> You're like, man, and then you, you do what God said you not to do, and you get smashed and run over in the parking lot. What does God do? What do you get? Ben, what would you do? Well, who's the loving one? Let me, a loving parent, answer me. What are you going to do? Abby, you soccer mom, what are you going to do? I'm just messing with you. What are you going to do, Abby? Oh. You're in a scrape, and I'm not I'm messing. I know all of you moms, your hearts, none of y'all are going to let them lay there or whatever. You're going you're gonna to comfort them. You're going to call you. You're going to do everything you can to help them do what? Heal. That's who God is. So when he's telling you to quit running in the parking lot, gum it, quit running in the parking lot. Because <laughs> you are going to get it. He does know everything. And the world keeps running in the parking lot. So what are they going to do? They're going to make a law against cars <laughs> and parking lots and whatever instead of just doing the right thing. The wrath of God's revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress... I, do your kids suppress your truth when they're running in the parking lot? Do your kids know, April, they're not supposed to run in the parking lot? But they just somehow obliviously have a 
don't hear mom voice on as they're going through running in the parking lot, right? That's what it means to suppress the truth. If I don't think it's going to happen, it's not going to happen. But you're wrong. The truth is the truth is the truth in this. So God, He is justified in His inescapable wrath. He's justified in wrath towards sinners because He reveals Himself to people. You know, I, look, dude, I've made every possible way for you to escape this wrath. One, by doing the right thing here, but two, by having Christ in your life, giving you the desire to do the right thing, and then one day being in heaven with me where you will be fully righteous, never able to do the wrong thing again. I made all this possible, and you want to reject that? There's nothing left for you but my wrath. That's all there is. That's the other, only other choice, love or wrath. Which one are you going to accept? And, and, and so he's just in doing that because he's revealed himself. Look at this. For all of you, we talked about this for one whole service, ta- talking about all the poor people in Africa that never hear the gospel that God's going to send to hell. That's not true. And if you are so concerned of that, then sell your house, sell your possessions, go to Africa and share the gospel with them. Amen? But often it's nothing more than an excuse of like, yeah, I don't really want to give my life to Christ. I don't want to really be my boss. I don't, what I know about him isn't really right. Well, you don't know him. And he wants to get to know you in the most intimate way. And when you do get to know him, hey, the only reason we love him is because what? He first loved us. When you find out he loved you, dude, you're just like, oh, he scraped me off the park. How many of y'all got scraped off a parking lot after getting hit by numerous trucks? Yeah. He loved me enough to do that. So, man, look what it says. For what can be known about God is plain. Anybody can see that. Do you go out the, go to the ocean? Just go start swimming in the ocean. He reveal himself to you. Get up in the morning, watch a sunrise. Go watch a sunset when there's storms. Go watch the storm clouds, the big shelf clouds go through. Go watch the weather. Go stand out in the middle of a hurricane. It's pretty awesome. You will not deny God Almighty, will you? And I know because I've done it and <laughs> almost got hit by pine tree limbs. So I'm not going to do it again. It was one, I'm convinced there's a God. No. What can be known about God is plain. Why is it plain? Because who showed it to them? God did. Who better to show you he exists than God? He, you think God can show you he exists better than I can show you he exists? Yeah. God showed you himself he exists. Now, what'd you do with it? Did you get mad and think about the kids in Africa? Did you get mad and think, well, no, you got, I'm not giving my life. No. Or did you say, you know what, dude, I need a savior. He really knows everything and can do anything and he's everywhere and he really loves me. You know what? I'd be an idiot not to give him my life through faith. At least that's my words. That's what they were to him when he showed me that. He said, man, what you can know about, it's plain. God showed it to us. He's revealed himself to every one of us. It's what you've done with that. Look at this. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power. Hey, Julia, did you see the, did you see the storm yesterday? Did you have a storm come through? Was that a pretty cool storm? Yeah. Was, how was, how'd that compare to the storm you made? Did you, could you make a storm like that? I'm not just picking on you, but I'm just, I could pick anybody. But yeah, could, can any of y'all make those clouds and make that lightning and make that thunder, dude? No. By his attributes, his eternal power, just in nature, in his creation, you know there's a God. But what's, what's the feminine name they give you for Father God? 
Mother Nature. No, she makes salad dressings. Remember that commercial? Green goddess, <laughs> whatever, but... No, dude, it's Father God, not Mother Nature. Father God makes it all. He sustains it all. You cannot deny He's there. It's been clearly perceived, and He's talking about everybody, clearly is perceived He's there ever since the creation of the world. Not since Christ, but ever since the creation of the world, people have known there's God Almighty in the things that have been made, just the very things that have been made. Dude, you ever seen a baby? You ever look at a brand newborn baby and just like, oh, wow, yeah. You ever think about how you're being made? Man, we talked about this a little bit in small group the other night, but man, I don't know. Um, Sue, are you thinking about like breathing right now? Are you like going, okay, in, out, in, out. Are you thinking about it right now? Uh, yeah, now you are. Yeah, and, and how about your blood? Are, are you thinking about your blood pumping right now? Are, aren't you afraid that if you don't think about it and encourage your heart to pump, it's not going to work? And then you don't have blood pumping through? How many of y'all are freaking out right now because you're control freaks and you're worried? No, those are involuntary things that God Almighty does. How many of those are there in the world? Not only in our own body, but in the entire world. None of y'all help God make a sunrise this morning. None of y'all gonna help make a sunset. You're not gonna help him make anything but a mess by mess by not doing things the way he wants them done. Man, it says you're without excuse. Anybody who stands before God and says, God, I didn't know there was a God, he said, You're full of it. No, you're without excuse. You know there's a God. You just chose to deny there was a God because you wanted to be in charge. You thought you could do it better. And I even told you there's no way you could. Look at the rest of this. It says they're without excuse. So sinners or people who do not want to be accountable to God or judged by God reject his revelation. So he reveals himself, but it's like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. I'm going to suppress the truth so I can reject God revealing himself to me so I'm not accountable to him, but you still are only to create their own worthless gods. Watch this, man. So you give up a phenomenal, awesome, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God that's the expert at everything. And what do you, Chuck, what are you the expert at if God's the expert at everything? If God is almighty, how much power does he have? And so how much do you have? None. And so again, man, God Almighty, that's Him. And, and you exchange this for some God you create on your own. He said, although they knew God, they didn't honor Him as God. Oh, you are God and you're worthy to be worshipped. Or give thanks to Him. God, thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for, in other words, being grateful for everything God's brought. They didn't honor Him or give Him thanks but they became futile in their thinking. They became, war, it became war. They thought, like the Greek philosophy and the Roman, the, all the philosophers that you have, ooh, that's deep, that's all. But if it goes against Scripture, it's dung. It's manure. It's rubbish. It's wrong. I don't care how enlightened the world thinks they are. If it goes against God's Word, it's darkness. It's not enlightenment. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish, foolish means godless hearts were what? 
the only way to be enlightened is seeing it from the light's way. Anything shy of the light's way is being in darkened. And I know I just made that word up, right? <laughs> it's made to be darkened. But that's what they're doing. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. <laughs> Come up with some great philosophy, some new great way of doing this. Oh, dude. Bitcoin, it can never fail. It's perfect. Anytime I hear anything, somebody come to me and say, and I don't know about Bitcoin. I could be totally wrong on that. But I'm just saying, anytime I hear people come to me and say, oh, there's this new system and it can't fail. It's like, oh, yes, it can. <laughs> don't go. Don't give it all in. That. No, everything can fail except for God Almighty. Amen. Claim and be wise. They became fools. Wise is seeing life from God's perspective. Foolishness is seeing things from any other experience perspective except for God's. Fool is someone who lives as though there's no God, according to Scripture. And look what it says, they exchange the glory. How many of y'all are looking forward to seeing glory in heaven? Glory, dude, full glory. Hey, has anybody seen the glory of God, the full glory? No, Moses came close. Moses, I want to see your glory, God. God said what? Moses, get in a cave. Moses got in a cave, right? What did God do? put his hand over the cave, and then God just showed him his backside <laughs> and walked by. Moses, when he pulled his hand out and he was gone, Moses came out looking like, what? Dude, like he'd been in a tanning booth, all right? He, like he'd been at the beach all day, man, with no sunscreen. Partial glory, but you're going to get to live in his full glory one day. Man, live for him now. It's practice for eternity. Man, we're going to live in full glory one day and exchange the glory of the immortal God for images. Emily, you remember a long, long time ago, a month ago, maybe almost now, Skylar? Emily, do you want an image of an engagement ring or do you want a real engagement ring? Skylar, what'd she want, man? She wanted the real deal. And congratulations, they've got that real engagement ring there. And I was going to ask y'all, would y'all be, actually, you kind of said it in your prayer. If Jesus came before you actually physically got married, would, would y'all be cool having that marriage in heaven? All right, good. Yeah, weddings, get, they can get stressful, man. Don't let that happen, all right? Enjoy it. Look at this. They exchanged the real God for an image. Look at look what they made their gods after. First thing they made them after is who? Themselves. Isn't that what the devil said to Eve? Oh, you'll be just like God. So man's been buying that lie ever since. Oh, I'll, 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 I'm going to make a God after myself. I'm going to be my own God. I'm going to make somebody else a God. If this guy gets elected, we'll all be in great shape. <laughs> Don't fall for that one. But we make heroes. We make gods. We make gods out of people. But look at this. If you, if you can't find any people, including yourself, because you keep getting let down by your gods, which people will, here's what you can find. You can find some birds, some beasts, and some bugs to make a God of. Look at that. Birds and animals and creeping things. You want to make, dude, I'm going to make me a roly-poly bug god. Y'all remember roly-poly bugs? <laughs> I'm going to make a roly-poly bug god. You know, might as well, it'd be just as good as a bumblebee god or a butterfly god or a sea turtle god. It, it's, it's all a worthless god. But people create their own gods so then they can play by their own god's rules but they're going to still be accountable to the God's rules. So check this out. We're almost on. Now, we're almost to the new stuff, Terry. 11 o'clock. You know what? I meant to say this. For those of y'all that weren't here last week, we finished at 11. We, we did, man. Y'all missed it, dude. I'm serious. Y'all missed it. Don't think it's happening today, but <laughs> we're getting there. 
If y'all ever need to stretch up and get the, you know, you're, you're welcome to do whatever y'all need to do. So at some point, look at this, God abandons them. So they make their own gods, and God says, all right, you're on your own. They abandon, he abandons them. There is no worse place than to be, to be in this world than to have God have his hand off of you. How, how many of y'all need God's hand on you? Uh, man, Abby, do you need God's hand on Marley? How often do you need God's hand on Marley? Yeah, and, and even more on Maverick, right? Always. What a scary thing when God's hand's not on somebody. And look what happens. You decide to make your own gods. God keeps reminding you, reminding you. But at some point, God says, go ahead. <laughs> You're on your own. What are you the expert at if God's the expert of everything? Nothing. So you're going to get less than stellar results. So at some point, God abandons them, letting them worship whatever their hearts desire. And by the way, does he abandon them eternally? Only if they choose to. When's it too late to quit making your own gods and accept the real God? Yeah, when you die, then it's done deal. Letting them worship whatever their hearts desire. Look at these two verses here. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust, not the love, <laughs> the lust of their hearts. They saw something, they created something, they decide, they got everything they could have to get that. It's called covetousness. So he gave them up to lust of their hearts to impurity. Impurity is, what's the opposite of impurity? Purity, right. Man, oh, is it, Tanya, is this your water? It is. is it pretty pure right now? You hope so? What would I have to do to make it impure? How, 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 many, how many pieces of dirt? Oh, wait, let me just get the one between my toe here. How many of these pieces of dirt would I have to, to just twinkle down the straw to make it impure? How many? Just one. What if you didn't know I did it? Would it, what, would it still be pure or impure? Even if you didn't know, what if you thought, what if somebody came out with a new article saying, dirt between people's toes is the greatest health thing you can do? <laughs> Would it still be impure? Yeah, I'm not going to do that, but sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it would still be impure. So only thing that's pure is God, and anything shy of God is impure. How far from purity are we? <laughs> We're going to see. So he gave them up to their impurity. Hey, we think dirt is great. We think, we think this is great. We think this artificial thing's great. We think this is great. Whatever. We think sacred. We think tea without sugar is great. I'm sorry, but God said you're wrong, Kathy, even though I know you're from New England and y'all pack your cars and don't put sugar in your tea. No. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. I still love you, man. But look, therefore, God gave them up to their lust, to their hearts of impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies. What did God give you your body for? What is the purpose of your body? To what? To glorify Him. Anything you do with your body that doesn't bring God glory is dishonoring not only to your body, but to God's. That's, it's dishonoring. So God gave him up, said, go ahead. And when you do the wrong thing, because his wrath is dead dished out and all the time, you jump in water, you get what? You jump in fire, you get? Which would you rather jump in? Especially if you know how to swim. But I'm just saying, yeah. 
It's gonna, you're going to suffer something now, and society's going to suffer. And then there's eternal complications. So to the dishonor of their bodies and among themselves, it's just a, it, you're messing up society, making your own gods. Because they exchanged. What does it mean to exchange something? I'm going to take your shoes and give you mine. <laughs> I know, it's a good deal for me, isn't it? <laughs> Especially if I want to be taller and wear those heels. But no, yeah, and, and, and that's exactly right. That's a great point. Because you're like God, you have shoes. I don't even have shoes. And I'm exchanging something worthless that doesn't even really exist for something that does. And that's what it says people are doing with God. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served. Listen to this the creature rather than the creator. I'm going to worship the sea turtle instead of God. I'm going to worship the manatee instead of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to protect sea turtle eggs and not protect the baby in utero. We can go on and on and on, but you worship the Creator. God wants us to worship Him. Satan just wants us to worship anything but God. So if we can worship God's creation and feel good about it and feel religious and even make license plates and societies and all that, and I'm not saying those things are wrong, but I'm saying don't get caught worshiping creation. You can worship the Creator and appreciate his creation and use it the way it was intended for. But we worship the creator. That's where it's got to be ended. Look at what God did. How many of you ever walked down and said, look at that. Look at the sunset God made. Look at the sunrise he made. Look at what God did. Look at this creature. Dude, you go out with me out in the mangroves. I'll show you an upside down mangrove jellyfish. And I'll let you even kiss that thing, man. You won't need no Botox. And you kiss that thing. Man, and you look at it, it's like you, it blows you away what God has made out there. He's revealed himself, but man, they exchange the truth about God. Worship the creature. What if all of a sudden I came and said, you know what? We are now the upside down mangrove jellyfish church. <laughs> Driftwood. We're going to call ourselves Driftfish. <laughs> and, and we're, and we're going to worship jellyfish now. No. That's worshiping the creature, not the creator. And, and that's but we got to be careful because that's what society wants us to do. Satan wants us to worship anything but God. And then look, Paul goes into a little, little uh, kind of praise session here. He says, who is blessed forever, amen. Worship the creator. Why would you worship something he created and, and not just worship the creator for everything he's created? So here's the new stuff, Terry. 1107. When sinners worship... And you'll see why all of that was necessary. Because you know what I could do? And I could do what some churches do. I could do what I've heard done. I could just take this passage and I could bash everyone who's in this passage. And, and you'll be like, yeah, right on, you know. It, it, you know, I could bash smokers and the people who aren't smokers are like, yeah. And I could bash drinkers and the ones that aren't drinkers would be like, yeah. I could bash, you know, overeaters and the people who aren't overeaters, whatever. But, but it's important that we see the diet, how everything came about. You either live with a God or you live without a God. And when you make your own God, you create a horrible society. You're going to see the result. You create tea with no sugar. You've taken the sweetness out of tea. You've taken the sweetness, the goodness out of the tea. Man. And now you've taken it out and people say, we need something. 
Because you can't drink unsweet tea. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just can't. So you got to make some artificial junk. You create stuff to put in it so that you can drink it. And it ain't as good as the good stuff, which is God. Look at all the artificial sweeteners the world puts in here. He says, when sinners worship what their hearts desire, they create a miserable, corrupt society. That's why we got to put the sugar back in society. And the sugar is God. For this reason, look how many times we see it, three times in these passages we're looking at of God giving up somebody. What a horrible thing. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. These are dishonorable. Uh, what's the opposite of dishonorable? Honorable. Doesn't take brain surgery. You don't have to be a Greek scholar to see this. For their women, exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And he starts talking about homosexuality here. And this is not some gay bashing section, but what it's talking about is that when society fully accepts homosexuality, is that it's about as far away from God as it can get because you're taking what God has created as natural and, and you're making it unnatural. In other words, here, well, you're going to see it plainly because he goes on to say, for those that are contrary to nature, and then he says, likewise, here's men digging men and not women in this. So again, this is word of God. You take it for what it's worth, but there's no way you can say God's all cool with this. There's no way you can say, oh, the word of God. And I know there's some, oh, no, back in those transcripts, and it was this culture that changed this. You do with it what you want. Sin is sin. Lying, homosexual, whatever. Sin is sin. And we come to church to hear the goodness of God and have our sin exposed so that we can trust his power and love to change us so we don't live in it because it's detrimental to us no matter what the sin is. All sin is against God. The consequences are different. And by the way, you check this out in world history. I love history. But every society that has accepted homosexuality and it has become prevalent in their society, they are not far from being gone. By the way, let me ask you a question. Who is it that Paul's writing to right here? What culture? We, we had the Assyrians, the Babylonians. We had the, the Medo-Persians, the Persians, the Greeks. Now we have the Romans He's writing to, who, who conquered the Romans, y'all? Who conquered the Romans? Nobody conquered Rome. They conquered, the, yeah, after they made themselves vulnerable. Their morality took them down. Nero, you all heard about him fiddling and stuff. This is something you might not know about Nero. Nero actually had a boy, a young boy, like one of your sons, that he got castrated. He took a little Mavi and he castrated him. And then he made him his wife. And, and that was Nero's wife for a while, but that didn't satisfy Nero. You know what he did then? Nero then got another dude, and he now became the wife. That these are the emperors of Rome. You go study history. The only thing we learn from history is we don't learn. The farther we get, God is perfect, and he created something. And when we use it the way he wants it used, and again, none of us are using everything God's given us the way we're supposed to be using. We have time, we have talent, we have treasure. We use all of that the way God wants us. Whenever we don't, there's problems. And he said, this is the epitome. And so by the same token, when he says there are women exchange natural relations, so if, what's the opposite of natural? Unnatural. You weren't born that way. You were born a sinner and you chose to go that way, the same way if you're a habitual liar, <laughs> if you're habitually greedy, 
Whatever the sin, you chose, to, you chose to grow the sin instead of grow your relationship with God. And that's what's happening. You've seen it go through society like that. So the women exchange natural relations with those that are contrary to nature. It's not natural. That's pretty obvious because there's no pre-creation going on there. And the men, likewise, look, I'm, I'm just, don't shoot the messenger here. I'm just saying this is where society has gone. It's gotten dark. We need to be light. We have good news. If people can do things the way God wants them done, they work. And men likewise gave up what kind of relations? Natural relations with women. What's the oldest profession in the world? <laughs> well, and then again, it's gone, it's gone both ways. Gone. This isn't new, but again, what you will see is this is prevalent in every society at the very end of their society. Go study history yourself and see. Men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Man, how many of y'all can remember when hormones kicked in to middle school to high school boys back in the day? You had to beat them off. If you're a girl, you had to beat them off with a stick, right? People didn't change. Society has. And what society is pumping into people and making their own gods and making their own views has changed. What one generation tolerates, the next generation accepts. And it goes through society. That's why there's a decline. There's a fall of every civilization. And then there's another rise. And then there's a fall. And there's a rise and there's a fall. Because there's certain things where God says, this is it. You're going to take yourself out. Men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. So much so that they wanted to do with women now what, they want, what they've been doing to men. You think about that. And the only reason I know about this stuff is I'm a pastor and I talk to people. They don't even want to be, have a natural relationship with a woman. They want to treat it almost like it's a man. And they were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men. What does God think about homosexuality, y'all? He said it's shameless. You go read this twisted any way you want. You can't. God says this is unnatural. This is not how he designed it, and there's going to be consequences. Shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves due penalty for the error. There's going to be penalty, not only now, like diseases, different, different uh, messing up society. Hey, what did God create as our society's core structure? The family. And you can go back and clearly see how he created family. So if you were Satan and you wanted to destroy society, where would you start? And if you can redefine a family, dude, <laughs> you're, you're already there. Men will just do it on, them, on their own and destroy the rest family is the core structure that's why i'm so grateful my family made time in spite of everything we now got different dads and all, 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 all you know not not baby dads or you know i'm just saying like you know we got more people in the family man and it's like but they made time for us to be together yesterday for anniversary birthday and father's day yesterday and i still got half a cake to eat so if any of y'all want some trace lace cake, come over to my house and help me eat it but i'm just saying likewise men gave up their natural relations with women they were consumed with passions for one another. When I was in high school, I graduated in 1980. 
Uh, prior to that, there would have been no thought of this. <laughs> right now in high school, dude, this is one of the predominant thoughts. Did God make people different? No. What one generation tolerates, the next generation accepts. And this is where we get farther and farther away from God till we either take ourselves out or God says it's done and I'm coming back. Nevertheless, it's the world gets dark and we are the light. Acts with men and receiving in themselves due penalty for their error. There's consequences when you violate God's principles. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. So bottom line, you know, what, you know what that means? It means that they didn't want to have anything to do with God, so God said, you know what? I ain't got nothing to do with you, bro. You're on your own. You want to do it your way? Do it your way, and let's see how it all works out. So look how it works out real quick, and it will end on a positive note, but this gets kind of heavy. Because of society getting farther and farther away from God, look at this. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. What's the opposite of unrighteousness? righteousness and the only one that's right is god so anything aside from what god wants is unrighteous they were filled with all kinds of unrighteousness so it, that's the action evil evil is not really referring necessarily to an action but a motivation anything that is not glorifying god so it's full of all these actions from people who don't want to glorify god who are covetous covetous means i want something that god doesn't want me to have and it's the 10th commandment, and if you uh, become covetous, you will break all the other commandments to get what you want. He put it as number 10. But you, if you are covetous enough, wanting something so bad, you will violate every one of God's other commandments to get it. So here it is. They're full of all these unrighteous actions because they have evil motive. They have motivation not to glorify God, and they want to glorify themselves. Glory to man in the highest. Isn't that what Satan said? And you're willing, look at this, covetous malice. So you're willing to do whatever it takes to get what you want. Would you say that's fairly indicative of our society? Yeah, it's been indicative to all societies in this, but we see it growing. They're full of envy, murder. Here's all the malice, all the things they're willing to do to get what they want that God doesn't want to provide for them. It, it, envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. Hey, Emily. Did, God ha did you have to do all those things to get Skylar? Did you have to be malicious? Did you have to have envy, strife, deceit, gossip, murder, malice? Did you have to do any of that to get Skylar? Hey, Skylar, did you have to do any of that to get Emily? Why? Because who gave you Emily? And don't say me. Yeah, God. Who gave you Skylar? Yeah, so you didn't have to do those things. But there's people doing this to get somebody in a relationship. But when you're following God, you don't have to do these things. This is not what happens. Look at it. They're gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent. What does insolent mean? Anybody know what insolent means? I keep forgetting and have to look it up. I do know what it means now, but anybody know what insolent means? Come on, you brainiacs. What does insolent mean? I see. Huh? Yeah, it, 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 and when I was looking it up, Merriam-Webster, if she's still, you know, legit, you know, she could be like, what was that, Snopes, the dude living in his mom's basement that ain't legit, we found out, but... Man, it means, it means arrogant, so arrogant and bold, you're stupid. You ever seen somebody so arrogant on being wrong? <laughs> That's what it means. Society is so arrogant on being wrong, according to God. Insolent. He kept making me forget that word because it just means a lot. Haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. There's not enough evil. Let's invent some. 
Is society not inventing evil? <laughs> you know, disobedient to parents. There you go, Marley. You see that? Lorelai, don't be looking at him that way. You got parents right over there. Uh, you know what the, the message says? That parents are only useful until you don't need them anymore. They're just tools for you to use. That's how they describe it. And so ungodly kids only use their parents, and when their parents are now a hindrance to them, they split and do things a different way. That's what he's talking about here in disobedient to parents. Foolish, faithless, heartless, rude. Dude, he could make this list go on. And I, I'm not going to spend time looking at this. He says, look at this. Though they know God's righteous decree, because everybody knows there's a God, and there's a moral compass built in you. Not enough for salvation, but there's a moral compass. All societies know that if you murder people, there ain't going to be nobody left. If, you, if you're an adulterer, man, the, the spouse is going to kill you. I mean, just, there's a moral compass built in, in, into, into societies at first. He said they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. But not only do they not penalize them or kill them, and I'm not going to go into all of that. If I could, if you wanted to later, but that's a, you, you understand the point. They're not corrected. Here's his point of the sentence. He says, they not only do them, but they give approval. The message says they give awards to the one who does the worst evil. <laughs> Think about that. Not only do they know this is wrong, but they give awards to the one who's the most creative at doing the wrong thing. So here's what he says happens in society. Man, you go to a restaurant and you order tea. Some yahoo brings you this stuff that looks like tea. It smells like tea. It stains like tea. Ask my wife. I dribble a lot. Anybody y'all got husbands that dribble? <laughs> you got more laundry. Yeah, that's why Gavin and I get along. We're dribblers, man. But uh, I watch him at disc golf. He's like, <laughs> but yeah. they bring it. It looks like tea. It stains like tea. Everything about it's tea. But when you take the taste of it, it's like, oh. <laughs> Man, this is horrible. And, and, and it's why? Because they took the sweetness out. They took the sugar out. That's the world without God. But you see, you've got to take God out so you can replace Him. It's Satan's plan. He's got to get rid of God. So then, when you're like, anything, please sweeten this up, now they start giving you that lab rat, tumor-growing fake stuff to put in it. And, and, and it doesn't taste like sugar, but it sure is a little bit sweeter than what you just had, right? So you're all of a sudden, now you're used to it and say, oh, this is better than sugar. Oh, this is splendid. Oh, this is equal. <laughs> they quit calling it saccharin, man. It's like, this is, yeah, I'll have the pink package, please. <laughs> but it's not, but it's creating all kinds of problems in you. You know what the world needs? They need sugar. They need the real deal. The uncut stuff, man. They need God. And who did God leave to bring them Him? Us. So man, you go be the sugar in this bitter world. And when they're ready to give up all their substitutes, when they see that your situation works, they know who's got the real deal. And understand that's why you have the trials in your life. That's why you have the situation. That's why you have everything that you have going on in your life. 
so that you can have the sweetness of God and you can give that to them and then they now can get a taste of some real southern sweet tea and they would just be like, oh, and refreshed. For those of you up north that don't get the illustration, I'm sorry, but <laughs> try hard. But let's get God back in the society. The world so badly needs him and our only purpose for being here is to give them the good news that they can have them if they want them. What are the three things again? Salvation is, it's been, and it must be. That's it, man. That's all I got to say about that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Father, as I was praying so hard and you gave me the sweet tea illustration, I, Father, um, I, I, you blew me away with it. I know we're called salt. And I know when we put salt on anything, it becomes salty. We change the flavor. We're supposed to change the flavor of the atmosphere that we're in by the salt that you give us. Father, we're light. You call us light. And the greatest darkness can't hide the tiniest light. So we should never be afraid or scared or ashamed when we're in a very dark place to bring the light. Because the light keeps people from stubbing their toes. Just help us to bring the light graciously. And bring it in love because we need it. And we need it for others. So Father, help us, please. But Father, help us to bring you into this sour, bitter world that we've created by doing things your way. And Father, um, this world does need some sweetness. E even personally, there's a lot of us that just need some sweetness in our own life. Help us to realize you are the sweetness we need. If there's somebody here that's never given their life to you, they don't know where they're going when they die. If they were driving around right now and they didn't know where they're going, they'd be considered lost. So Father, I pray that you give them a desire and ability to surrender everything they know about themselves, everything they know about you, and, 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 and be saved not only from your wrath, but from being the boss of their life. Father, I just pray you'd bring that sweetness in each of our lives because we all need it. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name, amen.